Hello, welcome to the Fifth Quarter Podcast. My name's Luke, and if you've tuned in to our first ever episode, you'll know that we are currently doing our season previews for the 2023 AFL season. We've looked at Adelaide and Brisbane so far. Uh, we've had a fair bit to say. Um, we've shared our opinions, our thoughts, and um, basically just what we think we're going to see on the park. And today we are now looking at the Blues and the Pies. Two very popular teams, two very passionate fan bases. We don't want to upset too many people, but we're just going to be honest. We're always welcome to hear your thoughts and uh, ideas around what is to be expected in the 2023 season. Uh, some key indicators we'll look at. We're going to look at the ins and outs um, after the 2022 season. Uh, we'll have a general prediction for the year. Um, what the club should be aiming for. And then some individual players who are ready to take the next step. And then some others who are a bit under pressure might need to pull their finger out a little bit more uh, this season. Dita, how are you going? Yeah, I'm going well, Luke. Uh, very excited to talk about Carlton, given... They're your team, and I'm interested to hear what a fan says about their own club and if I can add anything more to the uh, discussion. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm going to try and not um, go too in detail uh, just because I can talk about them all day, and I'm sure it'll be the same for you and the dogs. Yeah. Uh, however, it's... Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot that I could talk about, but I'll try and keep it short and sweet. Uh, is there anything you want to mention before we dive straight in? Um, at this stage, no. Um, but keen to hear your thoughts on who you thought were the big ins and outs for 2022. Alrighty, well, we'll get started looking at the Blues. Um, in terms of ins, uh, there was one trade, and that was Blake Akers coming in. Uh, Blake Akers is a player who basically fits the biggest need in Carlton, I think, uh, which is the wing spot. It's been the weakest part on the field for a long time, I think, at the Blues. Never had a true winger who has been a consistent performer. Um, and I think Blues fans have been really hyping up this acquisition, but I don't think he's a superstar by any means. I don't think he's going to improve Carlton as a whole oh, too much, but... Compared to guys like Lockie O'Brien um, and, uh, you know, David Cunningham and Jack Nunes. I know Cunningham hasn't played for a while, but he's definitely an upgrade on those players. So that's a good get. He's not going to set the world on fire, but he's he's a step in the right direction, I guess. Um, and then the only other real um, player of note, I guess, who they brought in was through the draft. First round pick, pick 11, Oliver Hollands, Ollie Hollands. Again, another sort of winger, outside midfielder. Um, it's a it's a position they really targeted. Uh, we might see games in him this year. We don't know. However, he's just one to keep an eye out on. Um, there were some later draft picks in Lockie Cowan, Jackson Bins, Harry Lemmy. Um, we'll see if they get games. Cowan might, Bins might. Not too sure, but uh, the main ins I think were Acres and Hollands. What are you? What are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, I think Blake Acres is a incredibly good trade because you don't need 22 all-star players and Blake if Blake Akers can sit on the wing and do his job you really just need a role player in that position and he's an upgrade on anyone Carlton had playing in that position and at 192 centimeters or thereabouts he's quite tall for that position and 
he's a great target down the line um, for that get out of trouble kick. So I think it's a great get by Carlton. Mm. Who do you think are some big outs for the Blues? Yeah, I mean, look, to be honest, I don't think there are many big outs with Carlton. Are they, they traded Setterfield for a fourth-round pick to the Bombers. Um, Setterfield was very much a fringe player, depth player. Didn't really get much footy at all in 2022. But, I mean, I guess it is a bit of a hit in the depth of the midfield. I don't think he's a big loss. Liam Stocker was delisted and now he's at St Kilda. But um, otherwise, there were no players of note. I mean, Jack Nunes got delisted, but again, I don't think he's a huge loss. I think they might miss a bit of experience that he provided, but realistically, they haven't really lost anyone that's going to hurt them going into 2023. What are your thoughts on the outs? Yeah, just looking at all the outs, they're really depth players, which don't impact you in your best 22, but throughout the season when teams are getting hit by injuries, your Liam Setterfields or your Jack Nunes do come in and play a vital role for, you know, four or five weeks. I think the biggest hit for Carlton is the um, draft capital that they used on Will Setterfield and Liam Stocker. Anytime you, you know, a first round pick like Liam Stocker was and a you know, second round pick for, for Will Setterfield coming from GWS, that just impacts um, your list having lost out on a, a draft pick potential. And, you know, looking back at recent drafts, you can see where teams have used a first round draft pick and they could have seen what they might have picked up if they didn't do the trade. So that's all I had to say. Yeah, I think depth is a big thing here. Uh, I look at the Blues list and... Um, not so much in the midfield. I mean, it, it definitely is a thing in the midfield, I guess, but definitely with the key position players. Uh, I, I just worry with the Blues, who's going to come in if a Weedering goes down, if a Lewis Young goes down, if a Charlie or a Harry uh, up forward go down. There's not really a whole lot of um, options in either of those positions in terms of key position players. So we might... There might be a stage this season where if, if injuries aren't going their way, um, players might get shuffled around a bit and it could be cre- create a bit of a mess. And, you, you know, even they're not great players, but they're not terrible. Guys like Oscar McDonald, Luke Parks, you know, those are guys who could have come in and been that depth player, but they were both delisted. So it's interesting to see. Um, definitely going to be a good watch if that happens to see if there are guys like Mitch McGovern who just shine playing in a new role or something. Um, but yeah, that that's that, that's a good point. The depth is going to be tested, I think, this year, for sure. Looking at what they're going to aim for, or what I think they will be doing, sorry, in 2023, my prediction for them is that they're going to probably finish in third to sixth in that range. And that's me being a Carlton supporter. I know I'm probably more one-eyed than most and I'm optimistic however I really do think that third to sixth is the place for them to sort of be finishing I think the top eight again like last year is going to be very tight you could probably extend that range uh, one further on each side so second to seventh Um, I I think the top eight will be tight and I think Carl finished top eight I really do the list is too good not to what do you think yeah, I think I like that analysis of 
third to sixth. Um, yeah, Carlson will be uh, hopefully coming into this new season very hungry to get a bit of redemption from what happened at the end of last season. And yeah, like you said, their list is too good not to make the top eight and even pushing into the top four and get that second chance in the finals. You know, we can, we've can we seen what Collingwood did last year and we're going to talk about them a bit further on. But, you know, if you get a good run of games and with a list that Carlton have, they really should be pushing for, uh, at the very least, a top eight spot, even though it is quite competitive up there. So what do you think the club should aim for? Just before we go to that, I, I want your thoughts on one thing yeah what, what what do you think has held them back from being a top eight side I guess I, we'll, I won't say the last few years but last year in particular I know they sort of stumbled at the final hurdle what what do you think they were missing that separated them from the teams that did eventually end up in the top eight oh that's a good question right off the bat um I think what goes to mind was maybe that hunger and not so much hunger of wanting to play in the finals but that hunger having missed out on an opportunity and we've seen um you know for example bulldogs in 2015 made the finals after a few years in the wilderness lost in the first round and then the year after somehow won the flag and carlton now have that that extra burn over this off season to not um, you know, maybe relent during the season and, you know, try to win games or get a run on games going. Um, so I think they they missed that, I think. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I like that point. I think it's good. I asked you that because I, 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 as a, I wanted to get a neutral point of view, someone who doesn't support the club because I, I've come up with so many reasons to why they haven't <laughs> been able to kick on and do, for, do more and I, I think I just don't end up arguing with myself. So it's an interesting point. And I think going on further to what the club should be aiming for, I think they should be aiming for top four. I think set the set the bar high is my sort of my mindset with it. I really think any team that's contending for the eight, realistically should be aiming to, to sneak into the top four. Even if you're thinking you'll be a fringe team, um, you know, in that seventh to 10th range or whatever, I think top four is what you should aim for. Set the bar high. If you don't get there and you finish, you know, sixth, seventh, that's okay. But you, you then make that up in finals. You know, you take it, you make, take a scalp and um, you work for that. And I think Carlton, I mean, last year they showed that they can be a team that beats the, the top teams. I don't see why they can't become one of the top teams in 2023. What do you think? Yeah, I think I haven't done a deep dive look at all the teams and what, the ladder position might be, but you know Carlton have arguably some of the best key position players in the league, and you look at the spine that Carlton have. You've got full forward and centre half forward of Kono and Mackay. You've got your uh, midfield with uh, Walsh and Cripps, and you've got your key defender as Weetering. I think that by itself, you know, could be a top four top three spine in the competition um and like i like you said they really should be aiming for a top four i think they're got players throughout the their best 22 that 
can push them to that next level and on the field as well like there's stars at every line really so it's really their time to shine in 2023 yeah and one thing that should be noted as well is i think there's a bit of a stigma that gets put on a few different teams in the league i definitely think with brisbane and carlton in particular because they did sort of stay at the bottom of the ladder for a few years together and they both sort of were on the same timeline for a while obviously brisbane kicked on carlton didn't and there's a stigma that they're like younger teams that they've got young players coming through i don't think carlton is a young team anymore when i look at their team i I look at the sort of the there's there's a few new faces you know you got jesse motlop and Corey durden coming through that are young but outside of that like these you know charlie kerno harry mckay Paddy Cripps, these guys are you know twenty five or older now nowadays. Uh, maybe maybe I don't know if they're older, but I know Cripps would be. But these guys aren't getting any younger. They they're in their prime. I I think if they're ever gonna start being a true contender, it's got to be this season. And if not, people players will want to walk. And I think that's gonna be the biggest test for the Blues for sure. Um, now looking into some individual players. I found out of all the teams I've gone through that Carlton were the hardest team to come up with players ready to take the next step. And I think it comes down to that idea that a lot of these players are actually already in their prime. Um, the easy answer was someone like Sam Walsh, you know, still young. Um, the, the sky's the limit with him, but, you know, he's injured to start the season. Uh, and I, 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 don't know if, I don't know if he's a good answer. So... I've gone with Adam Chera, mainly because there's going to be added opportunity to his game, I think. Um, I think if he can get it right, he can really add something that, to the Carl midfield that they don't really have, which is that sort of just clean, efficient, kicking out of stoppages. Other, outside of that, I've gone with Cottrell and Fisher as you know, guys you could look at. Main, Cottrell mainly because there is opportunity on that opposite wing to Akers. Um, and out of all the other guys who could put their hand up to play that role, personally, I like him the most. I know there's a lot of Carlton fans who would probably disagree. Um, and Fisher, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I think the talent is there. Uh, I just think he needs to put it on show. And in a good team, hopefully he can do that. But yeah, the player I'm going to highlight for, to, re- to take the next step is Chara. Yep. Uh, I think that's a... A great uh, player to note. I think, yeah, he'll definitely have some extra responsibility. Second year at Carlton. Uh, Walsh a bit injured to start the season, so we'll have that opportunity. I think my player uh, to take the next step is also the player most under pressure from my point of view as a, a non-Carlton player is actually Tom DeConey. And I think he's the player that really unlocks Carlton's top four bid. He's an ex. He's an ex player, ex factor player in my eyes, in the sense that if he can get his game right, and whether he locks down a ruck or a forward ruck position, he's so big and mobile that he's going to put other rucks around the competition on notice, working back in defence and helping out the defenders, moving forward and snagging a goal. I think you know there's not many defenders that could. Um, mark him in the defensive line and there's not many rucks who are as mobile as him and he saw what his brother did at Geelong last year and winning a flag 
hopefully that's motivated him over this offseason to really get um, his craft um, honed in and just hungry, really. I think, you know, if, if Carlton can get Tom DeCone in, uh, you know, anywhere near his potential, you know, they, they could really win the flag, I think. He, he could be the next, you know, best player for Carlton, you know, alongside uh, Mackay and Kerno. What are your thoughts? Wow, that's 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 a big call there. I I definitely understand the deconing. Uh, I guess saying that deconing is the one that could take the next step, and I, I do agree. Personally, however, and I know I'm probably in the minority amongst Carlton fans. I'm not really sold on deconing. I I think he's all hype, and I think a lot of that is due to the fact that he plays for Carlton, one of the most passionate fan bases in the league. I, I think he's a lot of hype, and I really don't think he's shown much at all. He's played a, a, a fair chunk of games now. I should find out how many, but he's played a lot of games now, and I really don't think he's done a whole lot mm. in any of his games. I don't not, not there's not one game that stands out to me. You know, if he goes forward, he doesn't kick goals. So, I, but the, as you said, he's got so much talent and potential. He is a player who could come back and just prove me wrong straight out the bat. And if he does do well, well, then we'll be happy. If he doesn't, well, we're probably regretting not trading him a year or two ago because his trade value will probably drop a fair bit. And he's a player who's probably going to want a lot of money at the end of uh, next year when he's uh, coming out of contract. So, And Carlton will want to be saving their pennies as much as possible because I'm pretty sure it'd be tight right now. So interesting player. Um, the only other player I had for under being under pressure is Paddy Dow. Speaks for itself. You know, he's been he's never been able to lock down a spot. This Carlton team's just getting stronger and stronger. He needs to keep up. Whether he gets opportunity or not this season, he's probably gonna have to rely on an injury or two or a suspension. But he needs to take it. I can't see him getting much more chance at the blues after this season. Yeah, I think um, the writing's been on the wall for Paddy Dow for a number of years. You know, Carlton brought in Adam Chera, Will Setterfield, and a few other midfielders from other teams, despite the fact he was a third-round pick in the draft a number of years ago. Third pick, not third round. Yeah, third pick, yeah, not, not third round. So being, you know, arguably the third-best player around the nation for his draft year, um, yeah, he's... Yeah, really on his last chance. I think he signed a one-year contract. Um, it was interesting that he didn't ask to leave last year to find some more opportunities. Whether there was a market for him or not, you never know. I'm sure his manager is uh, asking a few questions to teams around the league or assessing options. But I think it's been a disappointing start to his AFL career. And in, yeah. yeah, how many years can he go on? With this, because we've seen he, he smashes the uh, VFL um, division, but when he comes in, he's just not able to re- replicate that, which is, I think, tough for any player, really. Um, any yeah. final thoughts? Yeah, I think you know, hit the nail on the head with Dow. I mean, it, I think, yeah, last chance this season. I, I don't think he'd be someone who just then gets kicked out of the AFL. I think there'd be a couple of teams that would put their hand up to take him. However... I just don't know if... Um, he, he, there's a lot of pressure on him this year. He needs to translate that VFL form into onto the AFL stage for sure. 
Mm. Uh, we've, we've probably rambled on a bit too long on the Blues. Uh, well, I'll hand it over to you, Dina, to talk about Collingwood and uh, give us some insight into what their season might look like. Yeah, well, Collingwood had a obviously incredible run last year, um, and I think they were all kind of our second favourite teams, which is mm. a bit unusual to say because um, anyone living in Victoria can't stand Collingwood and their supporters, but the brand of footy that I think it's Craig McRae brought was incredible. And, you know, their fourth quarter efforts, you know, were some of the best uh, individual quarters I've seen for a while. And, you know, to for their last game of the season during the home and away period, beating Carlton in the last two minutes. And, Thanks for reminding me. And ensuring that they uh, have a double chance in the top four, you know, an incredible effort. Um, so their key ins, or sorry, we'll start with the key outs firstly. And I have a 1A and a 1B for Collingwood. And the 1A is Brody Grundy being an out. And there's a lot of conjecture and and um, queries around him leaving Collingwood. And it seems to be that the club's really forced him out with the uh, emergence of Dar- Darcy Cameron and uh, Mason Cox as well, having that ruck combo. And I think he's a key out for obvious reasons, being a two, two or three times All-Australian. But, you know, players like Brody Grundy don't grow on trees. Mm. And despite the fact he was on quite a bit of coin, I think any club losing arguably the top two ruck in the competition is a big out. And not even getting the draft capital as well is pretty big you know they only got a pick 25 or pick 27 in exchange for training him to melbourne um that i think that will hurt them and i think that that was the wrong move what are your thoughts yeah i thought i thought it was an absolute crime what melbourne got away with on that trade um i know we'll talk about it in a, in a second a bit more detail but you can also you can also then say in return they got tom mitchell for peanuts as well arguably I know people have different thoughts so they might even each other out but even then it's an individual trade um, yeah that Grundy one really it kind of rubbed me the wrong way I got a bit annoyed because you know Melbourne are a team that's only going to get better and better I think this season and you get you had a guy of Grundy's calibre and he's it's it's an upgrade regardless of whether you're not they, the fit would work whatever um, and w- with Grundy going out it, it, the one thing it does do for me is it shows the faith that they have in the Darcy Cameron Mason Cox combination more so the Darcy Cameron side I'd say things but you know they worked when Grundy was out they were, they were the two guys that were carrying them in the ruck department in what was one of arguably the most interesting and exciting seasons of football we've ever seen from an individual team you know the only other um, time I think I've enjoyed watching another team that in detail was probably Bulldogs 2016 finals run and then GWS finals run and then getting smacked by Richmond. So um, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't hate the trade that they got rid of. I just think, as you said, they could have got a lot more for what is a standout player over the last almost 10 years now. I'd say maybe not 10 years, but it wouldn't be far, five, five years maybe is a bit more accurate. But yeah, he's been phenomenal for Collingwood and 
to see him just not there anymore. It's going to be weird. Yeah, it's going to be weird seeing him in uh, uh, Melbourne colours, that's for sure. Um, and so the part one, oh, part one uh, B of the uh, key outs was actually Ollie Henry leaving. And he's in a different category to me because Brody Grundy was forced out by the club, whereas Ollie Henry wanted out. And as a half forward, he's got exceptional skills. He plays above his height. He can leap. He can kick goals. And we saw uh, throughout 2022, you know, he kicked goals at the death that really helped uh, Collingwood throughout a few games win it right at the uh, last quarter and I think it's it's a key out because anytime you lose a top 20 draft pick it just hurts your club because then you're got a bit of uncertainty of then replacing him or that player with with another player and it not might not be a like for like and their forward line while you know they were able to kick um, winning scores I think Ollie Henry in the long run is a is a big out for them any comments yeah, Ollie Henry, interesting, uh, interesting player. As a Carlton fan, um, he he torched us a few times, and I know he had a lot of games where he didn't do too much, and he frustrated Collingwood fans. As a, as a Carlton supporter, I think it's a great signing for Geelong, um, and I think it's a big loss. I think he had he he was someone who was going to add a, a lot to that forward line. Um, I think he's got a long career in the AFL and. I think that I think they will be disappointed internally that he wanted to leave, because as you said, their forward line is it's it is a bit it's a bit of an odd mix of players. Um, I look at it. I still even though they had such an incredible season, I still don't know who or what is their sort of winning element of that forward line. Like Meyer checks all right, like kicks goals. He's proven to be a very good player, um, even though I really didn't think much of him for a long time. Ginnivan's become fantastic as a small forward. You know, but then like guys like Ash Johnson, like who the hell is Ash Johnson? Comes in and absolutely tears it up each week that he played. He was fantastic and you know, then you add guys like these these are just random players. Bo McCreary, um McStay Mc, now. McStay now. But yeah, like Ollie I guess McStay comes in for Ollie Henry. Um they they're not like for like but they Fairly similar. I, I think, um, yeah, just weird, weird player. I think they'll miss him a bit. Yeah. I think Ollie Henry was going to be the Jamie Elliott replacement, mm. where medium, small forward, but has a great leap, great hands, and can take a contested mark, whether it's down the line or in the forward line. And although uh, Ollie Henry had a few yips in front of goal uh, throughout last season... I think that just comes when building confidence. And he had a few wet weather games where he actually killed it. I think he killed, well, killed Carlton and killed Hawthorne right at the death. And so I think that's a big miss because he's got such upside. And in his draft year, if Victoria weren't in lockdown, he was going to be a top 10 pick. Mm, that's um, right. He, he, was, he was sort of, in all the articles yeah. you read, you know, all season about mm. who, who to look for. There was a lot of talk about Ollie Henry being mm. a very high draft pick. The fact that he slipped that far, he slipped. He slipped to pick nineteen mm. or something. So I think, yeah, that's a huge, huge win for Geelong, like you said, and it it hurts even more giving it to another contender. 
Mm. And and the reigning premiers as well, I think you, you know, as a, another top four, you really don't want to be giving key players or players with that much potential to another team that's going to be a rival for you in the next season. So that hurts. Uh, but moving on, they had an incredible uh, off-season in the mm. players that they picked up. Um, they were able to pick four players from other clubs that were either fringe or wanted out. And, you know, to get Tom Mitchell, Billy Frampton, Bobby Hill and McStay, that's a good off-season in anyone's books. And the fact that they didn't have to give up a first-round pick for any of them is unbelievable. You know your thoughts on uh, the Tom Mitchell trade? Did you want to speak about that anymore? Yeah, I, I think... I think there's been... I know for Hawthorne, Tom Mitchell probably wasn't, I guess, the player that they needed anymore. That being said, and I, I, my, one of my best mates is a Hawthorne supporter, and he was happy to see Mitchell go. He didn't care what the price they was. He was just like, get him out. We didn't need him anymore. And I understand that, but, you know, you're running a business. You're not, you don't give up your, one of your best assets for, for nothing. And I just think... Collingwood are absolutely licking their lips here with what I think is to be one of the most, one of the biggest robberies I've seen in a while. This is a guy, a Brownlow medalist, I think still to this day, arguably one of the best contested ball winners in the game. Yes, he just handballs a lot and he he's a stat patter. You can argue that all you want. doesn't matter. For Collingwood, he's what they need. And he's going to be a player that allows Dacos to get through the midfield and not get smashed each week. You know, he's going to be the one that feeds it out to Pendlebury, who might want to play on the outside more. It's, it's such a great player to, to bring into your club. And I can't believe there weren't other clubs who didn't offer something more. Because it, I think he improves majority of lists, especially for a contending team. Yeah, I think Tom Mitchell is really that uh, potential next step for Collingwood. They got smashed in the contested possession throughout the 2022 season and especially around the uh, midfield where they lost also the uh, clearances Tom Mitchell yes he gets a lot of handballers but he's a uh, clearance specialist and he's that big ball winning midfielder that Colin don't have and I think now having him at the club Pendlebury can play outside all you want and he's he's polished with the ball is just going to help link up the midfield to the forward line or in defence to the midfield. Um, you know, Billy Frampton, moving on, Billy Frampton, while he's not, he might not be um, the in the best 22, I think as a depth player, I think that's incredible. Um, particularly because Collingwood had some issues around their uh, tall stocks around the ground. Um, and he's also... A great uh, intercept marker, and whether he plays as a second or third tall, I think that that's an incredible get because they paid peanuts for him. Bobby Hill, a small forward, I think that he adds a lot of class and uh, craft around the uh, forward line, especially deep in the forward line. Um, he's got great pressure and great goal sense, and they need a player like him. And he sort of complements what they have. They've got some three or four. They've got some three talls, but they don't ha- have any nippy small player that can really get that crumb, um, the crumbs in front of the, the tall players. Um, McStay as well, incredible get. I think 
while he's not going to set the world on fire with what he can do uh, in terms of being maybe you know a top five or ten player in, in at Collingwood, I think he just helps straighten them up. He's a good contested mark, and he can play some minutes in the ruck. And I think any player that has that uh, ability to pinch it in the ruck is is very valuable. Um, any comments from you, Luke? Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it on the head with each of those players. Obviously, Tom Mitchell we've spoken about. Frampton, yep, fringe player. Could be a best 22 if he gets to good form at either end of the ground, I'd say, as well. Um, I know at Port he was sort of playing more as a key uh, defender towards... Uh, that was last season, sorry. Um, whereas in the past he has been forward. So he's a player who could add a bit of depth at both ends. Bobby Hill, goal sneak, nothing more really to add there. And then, yeah, McStay, you know, he's a bit of a loss to Brisbane uh, for a reason. You know, he's a, he's a good player. He's going to play a big role, I think, in that forward line. And especially given that outside of Majacek, they don't really have a tall target no. up forward besides like Mason Cox when he's resting. So I think I think just adding that extra bit of height, it's going to cause a, a bit more of a headache for um, other teams' back lines. You know, you get the the strategy that teams go in with defensively against Collingwood it will change a little bit this season because of that. Uh, but yeah, it's a yeah, as it's a fantastic uh, trade period. Uh, there's nothing you can really fault there in no. terms of who they brought in for what they get what they gave up. No, they addressed almost all their needs in the uh, off-season. And just one final thing to note in the major in is Ed Allen, pick number 19 in the recent draft. He is probably um, in in maybe as early as this year, probably what Collingwood need. They don't have a big-bodied midfielder. And when I mean a big-bodied midfielder, uh, this young West Australian player, he's 192, 193 uh, utility, but he's really rocketed up the draft board pre-draft um, because of his ball-winning abilities in the midfield. And you look at Carlson, uh, Collingwood's uh, midfield, they don't have that tall forward who will uh, get get that inside ball like a uh, Paddy Cripps, a tall, tall midfielder. You know, they've got Dugowie, they've got, you know, Crisp, they've got Pendlebury. Outside players nowadays. Outside players or bit of X-factor players like with Dugowie, they don't have that Ed Allen um, sort of player already established in their team. So I think we'll see a bit of him in 2023. But for my predictions, um, I'm actually going to make um, them slip down the uh, top eight board. I, I still see them in the top eight. I'm not sure where exactly, but I think they might finish sixth or seventh purely because... We've seen in recent history that clubs who win close games usually sort of split them in half. And with Collingwood last year, they won... Pretty much every single one, almost. Almost every one of their close games under 10 points or less. And if Collingwood dropped one or two of those games, they would have finished in 6th or 7th or even in 8th position last year. So I think... um, not every club is going to have the same luck that they had in 2022. Um, but I think also the clubs around them, the uh, bottom of the top eight, and even Carlson, who didn't make the top eight, they're going to be 
uh, launching into this season with high expectations. And we'll see what Collingwood can do because they'll have a tougher run with their schedule being a top four team and losing in the prelim to uh, Sydney. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I, I really like how you've put that. I think they're going to be towards the bottom of the top eight. I still think they sneak in, even if it is in eighth position. They're, 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 they're sort of backs against the wall this year in the sense that, as you, as you said, they won that many close games. It was something that we've never seen before last season. It was why they were so good to watch. Um, that's why I was in the end rooting for them as a Carlton fan. I, I also just think as well, their list, I think they did overachieve last year as well. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, of course. I'm not saying that they're not good. But to, for, to be truly transparent with you, last season I had them picked as my wooden spooners. Mm. That's how much I think they overachieved. Yeah. Now, I will admit, I was completely wrong. They weren't that bad, even if they were sort of what I was expecting, because there are a lot of teams worse than them. And their list is a lot better than some of those bottom teams. But I think they overachieved massively. And I know it's easy for me to say this, but I compare them to a Carlton. I'd still take Carlton on paper every day of the week. Collingwood, game, game plan-wise and how they execute, they're a better team than Carlton, for sure. But if these teams that, that are trying to move up are getting better, I don't really see how Collingwood can get better than what they were last year. And that's not a, that's not a knock on them. Last year was just so good. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, you look at you know Carlton and what I talked about in, in their section was that they didn't have that, that, uh, maybe that hunger. And you, know, you could even talk about that experience winning close games, you know, Collingwood almost made it to a grand final. And if they had five more minutes against Sydney in the prelim, they would have faced Geelong. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's really important for clubs to really have that exposure to winning close games. And look, for me, they should be aiming for a top four, get that double chance. They could even aim for a top two. You know, the list the players that they brought onto the list in the off-season will help them. Um, it, yeah, I think we'll just have to ride the waves with what Collingwood brings. Um, they will have a tougher draw because the year before in 2021, they finished second last. And when you finish second last, you play the bottom 10 teams more often than the top eight teams. And especially, um, you know, playing your uh, North Melbournes twice or your Hawthorns yeah. or, or play, teams like that that are, you know, bottom 10. You mark them as wins. You mark the them as wins. Yeah. Sort of thing. yeah. So they're now going to be playing their Geelongs, their Melbournes, their Bulldogs, their Sydneys twice. I, I don't know who they're playing, but they'll be playing those top eight teams twice now, more often than the bottom uh, 10. Uh, but I, I have them aiming for a top top four position um do you have anything to say yeah i think that's uh, even though i think they are going to slip i think aiming top four if you think you're a top eight team you should aim for top four so i think that makes perfect sense yeah um so next segment we're looking at is taking the next step this is a controversial one um my take is jordan degoey and the reason why i think he will take the next step is you know 2022 there was a few and even 2021, there was a few off-field issues with Dugowie. The footy world knows sort of what happened. I think 
now with Craig McCraney's second year. Um, Jordan Go knows the systems. He knows his coach a bit more. And if he can get his body right, he's arguably one of the best players in the competition. And, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he makes an All-Australian, you know, by the end of 2023. I think if Dugowie can kick 30 to 40 goals while still pinch hitting in the midfield and getting 30 possessions, you know, he could he could win the Brownlow, to be honest. Like, there's not many players that can uh, do that, to be honest. And he's got the talent. Hopefully he gets his head right over the off-season, has a big uh, fitness space to launch off. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I as a footballer, I'm a big fan of Dugowie. Uh I think what he what he can do can win games, and that's a player like that isn't easy to come by. I think, as you said, the issues off-field and, you know, everyone's got their opinion on Dugowie. Everyone, no, no, Not many people like him. Not many people want him to do well just because of the things that have gone on. That being said, whether you want it or not, it's, I think it's going to happen. He's he's that good of a player. I don't think he's winning a Brownlow, personally, but he's a player who I think is the, the game winner on this Collingwood team. I think I can't see anyone... No no, no coach wants to defend a Dugowie when he's hot, sort of thing. It's the same as like a Dustin Martin, a Bond, guys who just take the game by the scruff of the neck I know he's not on those players' levels yet, but that's what this segment is. We think he can get to that level. And yeah. I would not be surprised to see him, as you said, make an All-Australian team. And definitely a squad, the All-Australian squad, that's for sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Dugowie missed a few games last year and whether or not he would have helped out in some of their losses when he was away, you know, who knows. But, you know, Dugowie has that much talent that he could do anything. And we saw that with the uh, prototype that is Dusty Martin who can kick go forward and kick four goals or go in the midfield and get, you know, 10 clearances. That is that type of player. And, you know, there's not, there's maybe five of those players in the competition with your Petrarchas, mm. maybe your Bonds, but that explosive, powerful uh, player, you know, Dangerfield as well was that player. And, you know, Dusty and Danger share a brown low. Um, or oh, in common, I should say. So, yeah, hopefully a big year for Jordan to go in and Collingwood. Um, next up, we're looking at a player under pressure. Um, again, I have a 1A and a 1B, both for different reasons. Firstly, the 1A is Nick Dacos. And the only reason why I have him in this position is because he had arguably the best first year of any player. Um, and he could have been all Australian squad and I'm just hoping that the AFL media and world understands that Nick is in his second year. You know, he's not been in the league for 10, 10 seasons. This is his second year and he might have the second year blues as a few players of note have had. Um, I just hope he just continues improving. We don't know where he's going to be playing if it's off the halfback or in, or in the midfield I just think that there's going to be that a lot of external pressure on him. Uh, certainly not from us as fans of uh, him and of this podcast, but I think he'll be under the microscope and especially by other clubs as well, seeing how well he did. He's going to be tagged this year without a doubt. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I really, I, I agree with this for sure. He's under pressure 
for not for the right reasons though. Like when we talk, with this segment sort of we're looking at players who might need to improve. He's not a player that needs to improve, but he's certainly under pressure mainly because, yeah. firstly, Dacos. Yeah, big, with big, the name, big name. Last season came out as you said, best first season I've I've personally seen ever. Uh, but like you look at the the person before Dacos to have a season like that in their first year, Sam Walsh. And again, I'm a music coming back to Carlton, but it's that second year, like as soon as that one little thing goes wrong here or there, not necessarily even goes wrong, but as soon as there's not like a, an outstanding thing about him, there's something that's there's a little comment that's made, you know, oh, Sam Walsh, you know, he's not the player that the Carlton need to go to the further. I worry that that happens to Dacos, and I, I hope it doesn't get to him. I don't think it will. I think he's a class player. Um, yeah, and sort of lastly on Nick Dacos, I think he went under the radar from a lot of clubs because he was a fourth pick in his draft year. Mm. He had Jason Horn francis then Sam Darcy, and then Finn Callahan. Which was a crime, by the way. Which was a crime uh, that Nick Dacos wasn't first picks. I He was obviously tied to Collingwood, but you put the numbers between Dacos and Horn francis in their <clears throat> under-18 season, and they were matched, you know... Throughout the throughout their under eighteen season, um, and being that fourth round pick, oh fourth selection. fourth selection, you know you're not expected to take the world by storm, which you couldn't argue that Jason Horn Francis was expected at North Melbourne, but I think clubs opposition clubs will now see that Nick Dacos's distribution with ball in hand needs to be stopped. And he will be tagged. And Sydney were one of the smart teams last year towards the end that actually tagged him out of the game. Um, I can't think of the uh, Sydney player who was the tagger. No, I can't think of it. Was it would have been like Ryan Clark or something? Yeah, Ryan yeah. Clark. Um, you know, uh, Longmere got Clark to tag him. And, you know, Collingwood ended up losing both games against yeah. Sydney. It was like... Uh, round 22, round 23 that Collingwood lost to Sydney and then in the prelim and Dacos was tagged best, especially in the first game but you know when you target the uh, really polished players that a t- opposition player or team has that really impacts their link up ball use uh, to the rest of their team um, but moving on I think the player most under pressure particularly from us as fans and um, people who follow the AFL quite closely is actually Darcy Cameron, and he's now the number one ruck without Grundy. And for Collingwood and for Darcy Cameron, there is no Plan B if uh, you know stuff hits the fan. He is responsible now for rucking for an entire season and deep into finals for Collingwood. And with a fan base as big and as vocal as Collingwood, they are going to be picking Darcy Cameron apart if he has a quiet game. Now, he showed last year without Grundy that he was very capable and even capable going forward, resting there and kicking a few goals while Cox was in the for, uh, in the ruck. But I think new season with Darcy Cameron as that focal point, he's going to be under a lot of pressure. What are your thoughts? I, I agree 100%. I, I'm a big fan of Darcy Cameron, personally, and I think just a couple of days before we've recorded this, 
it's reported that he's got a slight hamstring injury. So that's a little setback in his preseason. You know, if he has a bad game, they're going to come back to this now and say, oh, this it, it's because the preseason was interrupted, yada, yada, yada. And this is going a bit off the, the field of AFL. But another thing that I think people don't acknowledge enough when it comes to players and their sort of mindsets is the fans of fantasy football games. <laughs> yep. And, and I, it's easy to laugh, but this is true. A lot of people will be picking Darcy Cameron because of Grundy being gone. And I don't know if any, I don't know if our listeners are huge on their super coach or AFL fantasy, whatever platform they play. However, the super coach community is brutal. If there is a player that is heavily selected, like Darcy Cameron will be, he'll have probably over 30% of the whole game selecting him, I'd suspect, it being a forward ruck. If he doesn't fire, that community is going to blacklist him. <laughs> and it is going to be brutal. And I know it's not based on how he's actually playing on the field necessarily. It might be too. But if he has a bad run, those people come after him. And how does that affect your mental state? Because I can't imagine it would feel good. No, no. I think, uh, yeah, it's sort of a blessing and a curse when you're um, a ruckman in, in that fantasy setting where you have that forward eligibility. Um, yeah, I think as well, maybe under pressure, in addition to Darcy Cameron, is maybe Collingwood's ruck stocks. Yeah, just as a, as a whole. As a whole. Like, if Darcy Cameron has... a week off or an extended period off with any soft tissue injuries like he's has right now they've got uh cox and who i don't know yeah. <laughs> they don't have anyone from from but my eyes really for, as a non-collingwood fan it's hard to see who that other player would be i mean mcstay can have a pinch hit here and there yeah is there a player aiden beg is he a ruckman or is he a defender or i don't know they I think i just don't know they Collingwood do have a player uh, under 22 years of age who, who is a ruckman, but are you going to ask a 22-year-old and like a McStay to be your main rucks if if Cox and uh, Darcy Cameron go out? That That's when you will lose games against the big rucks. Like there are some yeah. monster rucks out there. That's when Gorn gets 200 supercoach points. That's when Gorn gets, you know, 300 supercoach points. But like if, if Collingwood have an extended period where they don't have their first ruck set up, uh, they could be in trouble of dropping games that they don't particularly should. Like, I look at North Melbourne, you know, Todd Goldstein is towards the end of his career, but his his smart, footy smarts and ruck craft, he will destroy uh, McStay and Beg. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it, again, it's ruck craft is such a big... Um, it's something that doesn't get acknowledged enough. What the ruck, the key, the big rucks do. Like someone like Goldstein, he's not an athlete at all. No, compared to the league at least. But what he just does with his hands in a ruck contest is phenomenal. And if you're, yeah, I, I just think this this ruck department, I guess, of Collingwood, the the club has put a lot of faith in them to yeah. succeed here. So pressure, yeah, I think it's good just to put it on the on all the ruckmen really to step their game up and. Be prepared. Yeah, I think um, yeah there will be some question marks over the ruck department. And look, we hope that Darcy Cameron and Cox have uninterrupted uh, seasons ahead of them. But um, the media and the fans will be coming, uh, just particularly when you lose someone of Brody Grundy's calibre. 
Like, that's a big loss for, you know, what type of gain. Anyway, um, looking at the uh, time, we've almost hit an hour. So we're going to wrap this up very quickly. Thank you all for listening. Uh, any final comments, Luke? Yeah, we dragged this one out. Um, I don't think there'll be many episodes this long, hopefully. Um, but two very big teams, big fan bases, a lot of expectations for the year. So hopefully you enjoyed what we've said. Uh, if you guys want to give us your opinions and thoughts, please reach out to us. We'll leave in the description of the episode um, where to find us on Twitter at the Fifth Fifth Quarter Podcast. Um, however, I think we've said all that needs to be said about these two teams. Yes, Peter? we'll uh, see you next time and just watch out for us. See ya. See ya.